Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Data Door Front Porch Podcast. We have a packed show today after a very surprising, or in some ways unsurprising, but in other ways very surprising earnings. Uh, last week, Open Door um, reported Q4 2022 earnings, and the result was in some ways um, different than what we expected, Tyler. August free. Yeah. So Thursday, Open Door reported after the close. I think, you know, for us throughout, throughout 2022, when we estimated for the quarter, we felt pretty good across the board for all the KPIs that we measure. Um, and we released our own internal estimates on Wednesday before the earnings. I think we came in pretty much uh, exactly in line um, for things like homes sold and revenue, uh, as well as homes purchased. Where we were a little bit different was uh, actually gross margins, um, which I think surprised us. Uh, Open Door actually posted adjusted gross margins of negative 3.2%. We were expecting somewhere closer to negative 1%. Um, and in fact, negative 1.6% was the lowest end of our range. And so I think that has prompted a lot of research on our part over this past weekend to investigate the reasons why there might be such a discrepancy between observed and or estimated and actual. Um, and I think, I think we have some ideas. For context, like Q4 in terms of housing market was a really difficult quarter. If you look at uh, the sales numbers that are coming out now for like, um, Q4 and even for January. The, the home data sales numbers, it, it was really depressing volume. So open door was likely to, uh, likely trying to, to move homes. And with that, uh, might have given more concessions, uh, than we kind of observe in the data. Yeah. I think, I think there's three possible explanations for the discrepancy in the data. One is that our data are wrong. Um, and I think to sort of look into that, we have north of 130,000 transactions for Open Door uh, in the database. We have sales estimates going back 20 plus quarters. And I think what we've seen from the data is, is actually that we're always within 5%, um, uh, less than 100 basis points at most of gross margin in all of those quarters. So our, our methodology, we feel pretty strong about. And I think that that's reflected in the fact that we nailed, um, homes sold revenue, homes purchased, uh, et cetera. And we did that in all the other quarters that we've, that, you know, we've done this as a business. And so that's option one. Option two is that there was an outsized effect, uh, uh, margin drag from non-disclosure states. And so there are states, uh, where sales data are not publicly available. And so states like Texas, Utah, for example, are states where uh, the sold price of a home is not public information. And so therefore, we have no visibility into the sales margins or sales price of homes sold in those markets. And in Q4, for example, one-fourth of all open-door transactions were in these non-disclosure states or markets. And so that means that we only had visibility into 75% of open-door sales transactions. But if you kind of walk that back and think about how bad those markets would have to perform to create the delta between our estimated negative 1.1 margins 
and Opendoor's actual negative 3.2 margins, markets like Texas would have had to be the worst markets in Opendoor's entire category, right? They would have to be almost as bad as San Francisco, worse than Phoenix, worse than Las Vegas. Um, and if you look at the metrics in those markets, it just doesn't make much sense, right? Like the price cuts in markets like Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Opendoor's largest two markets in Texas are actually really low, right? Like they have all of the metrics of top markets for Opendoor. And that's sort of the proxy that we've been using um, for, for Texas markets is things like price cut, percent pending, et cetera. Um, as, as additional context, just in case people are confused why we have data on price cuts, but not on the actual margins, uh, listings data is actually available. So if a home sells on the open market, we can kind of guess based on the last listed price, sales price in the MLS, what the actual sales price was, but the purchase prices are not. So open door doesn't purchase on the open market. They buy this privately from sellers that is not reported in the deed data. So there's no listings data on their purchase price. We see their listing prices. We see uh, how many price cuts they are making until the home sells. And that's what you're saying is uh, way better than a market like Phoenix. So it's unlikely that the margin is anywhere close as negative as Phoenix or San Francisco. Right. Like Phoenix and San Francisco have mean price cuts maybe in the five plus percent range per home, whereas Dallas-Fort Worth, for example, open door's largest market in Texas is is closer to 2%, right? Which is even better than a market like Atlanta, which is perennially one of open door's stronger markets. Basically what I'm saying is the Texas markets outside of Austin, Austin's pretty bad, but Dallas-Fort Worth, Houston, and San Antonio, 80% of open door's Texas business all have the metrics of markets with positive unit economics. And so that brings us to option number three to explain this delta or this discrepancy. And that's that open door is granting seller or buyer credits to increase the velocity of transactions. And there's precedence for this, right? That happened, for example, at the end of September, so the end of Q3, so that open door would be able to, um, you know, close on more sales, to offload more of this Q2 inventory. And there's actually an economic benefit for it, right? Every day that open door owns these Q2 homes that are never going to make a profit, open door is paying property tax, HOA, right? Maintenance fees, uh, selling fees, marketing, all the above. And so offloading this inventory as quickly as possible is a benefit to open door. And so it makes sense to incentivize these sales. The problem with this as an explanation is it's completely invisible to data methodology, right? It's, it's invisible to scraping. And so it creates a lot of variability in uh, collecting data. And I think that we saw that for Q4, the gross margin results were 200 basis points worse than expected. And we certainly saw it for Q1, uh, where Open Door guided for even worse gross margins than Q4. Um, and we're seeing an improvement in margins in Q1. Uh, so uh, I think I think that that definitely bears discussion as well. Yeah, and what you mentioned, what's different from Q3 is that they announced what kind of commission bonuses they give to agents that so we could incorporate that into our uh, estimates. This time, we didn't even know this was going on. We, there, there was some reports on, on Reddit, but you never know how widespread it is. If they're only going, giving seller credits on a few homes, they always give seller credits on a few homes or what the scale was. 
And what the data shows is the scale of seller credits and, and rank buy downs was probably quite big. Um, yeah, sure. but that brings us to, to the, to the last point that you mentioned is like the Q1 guidance is not at all what we are seeing the data for Q1 so far. Q1 has been quite a, a uh, an impressive quarter so far, right? Yeah. So we've seen pretty much week on week with the exception of maybe two weeks, uh, an improvement in open doors, gross margin since mid November, right? Like every week it's, it's, it's increased. The trend is going like this. So mid November, middle of Q4, right? And now we're <clears throat> at the end of February. So two thirds of the way through Q1, we were expecting open door to guide for positive gross margins, uh, in Q1. And then they turned around and guided for negative 5% gross margins, which is worse than their guidance for Q4. For Q4, they guided negative 4.4%. They posted negative 3.2. Now for Q1, they're guiding for negative 5%. It's just the discrepancy doesn't make sense. And I think that this is another reason why we're gravitating towards this explanation that, um, you know, Open Door is offering these seller credits to ensure that these transactions happen. I think another piece of data to support that point is that in Q4, 90% of open door sales were the Q2 offer cohort. In Q1, 60% of open door sales are from the Q2 offer cohort. But it's important to understand that for any given cohort of homes, the first homes that you sell are the best homes in the cohort, right? Like we've talked about this in the past, the lemon problem, the farther along you get into that cohort, the deeper you get, the worse those homes become. And so ostensibly you're in a situation where in Q1 and Q2, selling off these remnant Q2 offer cohort homes is going to require more incentives, more work, right? And, and it potentially lower margins. Ideally, we'd see this in the actual bought and sold margin data, but it seems like Open Door is doing this sort of just with the seller. And so the only people that know the actual value are Open Door themselves and the individual transactor. I think what's important to mention is this is not necessarily worse than what they uh, had in write downs in Q3, right? They made it in terms of gap numbers. Uh, they made a huge write down in Q3 saying, hey, all the homes we have on our books from your Q2 offer courts, they will be massively uh, negative, negative gross margins. Uh, what we expected is that this was a very con conservative outlook and they, because it was such a massive write-off, uh, that we will see kind of the balancing out more, especially in the gap numbers, which was also worse than expected in Q1. And now there's a lot of hope out there that, so, so how write-downs work, I, I guess we, we, we have to explain it. Write-downs only account for negative margins. So they are forecasting, um, are trying to anticipate what price all those homes they have on the books will sell. And they take all the negative gross margins of those homes and take them as a write down. It excludes all the homes they might make money on. So those would balance it out and maybe push them into a more positive gap accounting because write downs are only, uh, you only adjust inventory values negatively, you right. never increase the value. So um, now looking into Q1, which will report in, in May, 
uh, they will have a large or majority of their homes sold, right? And at that point, we can see is, was it worse than they, they expected in Q3 or was it as bad as they expected? Right. And I think, I think it's also important to emphasize too, is it's February the 26th right now, right? And so there's one month left in Q1. But for real estate data, we have access, like through Datadore, we have access to pending data. And so for us, the quarter is already over, right? We already, we already know all of the transactions that are going to happen in the quarter. We know the gross margins. We know the revenue. We know, you know what I mean? We, we have all of the data basically except for the number of homes purchased. And so for us, knowing all these data and seeing Open Door's guidance for the quarter, it's really hard to reconcile the differences because they are huge. It's an enormous difference between what we're seeing in the data and what Open Door guided for. And I think that that's, that's been one of the more shocking parts of receiving the data and also doing the research this weekend that kind of led to this podcast. And it's not even just on the bottom line. Even the top line is quite surprising, right? Very different. So, um, yeah, we will, I guess see in the next few weeks as those pendings close uh as well as um when q1 is announced how how different it is if this is like some form of sandbagging to come out in q1 with a maybe a more surprising outcome it would be a strange strategy you don't want to be sandbagging at the point where they are right now but maybe that's part of it I hope that's not a strategy because I, yeah, uh, yeah, I would, I would not recommend that one, but knowing Terry, I, or at least knowing kind of about her style and everything, she seems kind of like a no nonsense type person. Obviously she's yeah. been responsible probably for the majority of the estimates so far through throughout her tenure as, as open doors CFO and now C, CEO. And they've always sandbagged a bit, um, but this would be, this would be more more than we're okay with right this is this isn't like a a beaten raise kind of situation this is this is like um a huge departure from what the data say yep um talking about some of the other things that carry tried to guide towards towards the the next few few quarters uh, one question that always came up is about uh, their acquisition pace. Something we have been talking since the end of last year, beginning of this year, is um, Openly has massively reduced the number of homes they're purchasing. We are down to like a few hundred homes a week. I think they're listing about 200 homes consistently over the last few. 100 homes a week in acquisition volume right now. They mentioned uh, that we should expect uh, a pickup in volume as we move through the second quarter. So um, I guess we won't see much anymore in, in the Q Q1 data. Uh, for context, our purchase data is basically four, four weeks delayed. It takes four, four to six weeks to completely uh, report data to um, county assessors. There is no forward-looking data we can look at like with pendings. Uh, so we just have to wait it out. That means we probably won't see anything, any increase until uh, the end of April, right? That's what they're kind of hinting towards. Mm -hmm. uh, they also talked a little bit about uh, 
them increasing or decreasing spreads a little bit. I guess they saw some of that home home activity, home home sales activity uh, going a lot better than than they seasonally expected in in January and and cut down on on spreads. But they also said, hey, as soon as we're seeing um, a data turn around, we're going to put spreads back up there. So there's not a lot of hope for going back into uh, growth mode anytime soon. That's kind of um, gets us to the next topic, which is uh, they talked about w- what the path to positive adjusted net income is and when that might happen. So what they carefully talked about is becoming adjusted net income positive by mid-2024 with a revenue run rate of $10 billion, which is, again, a head scratcher because we are right now on a higher revenue run rate than $10 billion and nowhere close there. That probably indicates that the next quarters uh, after Q1 will be not even close to the same revenue that aligns with the purchase data that we are seeing. There just won't be enough homes to sell. And probably they're going to increase towards where they were at scale again of, of $10 billion run rate, uh, right. which they say is, is basically the scale they were in 2019 by mid-2024. Yeah. And I, I think the important the important point here is that revenue doesn't matter, right? Like for open door, revenue never mattered. It never contributed to stock price, right? Like when open door had, uh, you know, 5 billion revenue per quarter, the stock price was just falling, right? It was in free fall. No one cares about revenue for open door because it's considered low quality revenue. And so I, as a shareholder, am not so much worried with open door guiding for lower revenue. What I, what I'm most interested in is them finding a profitable business. And so I don't care if it's 2 billion in revenue because there's no multiples that open door is being valued on that are based on revenue, right? It's all about profitability, especially in this down market. And so if open door can find a profitable business somewhere in that space, then I'm all for it. Um, even if it's you know, at the lower, I mean, I remember we were talking about this last year and the year before when it seemed like this housing market would go forever that, uh, you know, 40 billion revenue a year didn't seem unreasonable, right? I mean, they're, they're barely scratching the surface of penetration in the United States. If I buyers got to 10%, for example, that's a $600 billion business, um, in a year like 2024. Yeah. But basically what they're telling us with that is that they expect to drastically change the cost structure right. because uh, adjusted net income positive is something we've only seen at 20 plus billion dollars in revenue, which would be double what they are saying, expecting for next year. And um, the explanation here was that um, they are working on removing hundred basis points of, of margin uh, uh, of your of costs from the system. There wasn't much more explanation to that. Uh, there could be things that they were pushing out for a long time because they thought they can scale things with people instead of like automation that they're now identifying and it's the right time to solve them. It could be meaning be- because they're reducing uh, acquisitions 
and and sales, they're gonna need a lot less staff. There's there's a lot of staff that is variable versus uh people that they actually hire, right? That could be part of that. Um but still in head scratch, even with hundred basis points cuts, it's kind of we're not getting to adjusted in income uh, with 10 billion in revenue. So there's a little bit of a question mark, especially since Kerry said there's not a lot of assumptions with asset light, um, capital light, uh, parts of the business contributing to that. So it, it's not going to be the third party marketplace. It's not going to be buy with open door or, or list with open door that, that makes up a big, uh, amount to, to, to get there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. And as you said, she didn't really outline much in the way of, um, uh, specific, you know, policies or measures that, that were going to lower costs so substantially. But I, I think, I think to you and me, it makes sense, right? Like open door was positioned for hyper growth mode, basically since they went public, they were scaling as rapidly as possible. They were buying as many homes as possible. Um, they were able to push Zillow off a ledge because of that tactic. Um, and so the idea that a company that's hiring and growing and focused on so many different bets and moonshots can suddenly pull all that back and, uh, you know, save at least a hundred basis points of cost structure seems pretty, pretty likely. Um, and I know that she said that third party and list with open door weren't going to be material parts of this estimation. But they will be right. Like they have to be for this company. And so I think those are probably two topics worth discussing, right? Like the change in the goals for third party, but then also, um, the real nugget, I thought like the best part of the whole earnings call was her commentary around the product market fit that they found with lists with open door or lists with certainty. Yeah. Talking about third party, um, I guess the big shocker. Or for us, it's not a shocker because we were quite critical of that goal in the first place. Mm -hmm. Is last year, uh, they were talking about getting to 30% of their sales going through um, their marketplace. That goal seemingly got revised or clarified that it's going to be 30% of sales in the markets where uh, they rose, which currently is Houston, Dallas, and Austin. And, um, a very different goal than what we heard last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think Eric Wu talked to Ben Thompson about this on Sertetri in November or December or whatever it was. Um, and that's the project that he's currently leading is, is, uh, you know, getting exclusives to be this material proportion of open doors, overall transaction volume. And I think we've been sort of critical of this plan from the start, right? Because like I said, at Datador, we monitor exclusives volume, both first party and third party. But it's hard to imagine for a company selling 40,000, 30,000 homes a year, that open door can suddenly get to 10,000 homes sold through this third party marketplace, um, uh, you know, within a year, it just seems like an impossible amount of scale. And, uh, a few months later on the, th the earnings call this past Thursday, Carrie confirmed our uh, skepticism and said that only in the markets that open doors currently activated, they're going to be 30%. I think what was exciting to hear her say, uh, you know, with that significant caveat 
is that they're really working on the product, number one, to make sure that uh, when they do scale it, it's right. Um, but number two, that they were going to be adding more markets this year. And I think that that's really important. Although when I, when I do the math in my head right now, it's, it's Austin DFW in Houston, right? That, yeah. So that's, that's like 80 plus percent of open doors, Texas market, which is historically like one fifth to one fourth of open doors overall book of business. So it's, it's a significant percentage of homes, right? I, I haven't done the math on it just yet, but if open door actually did get to 30% in 20%, that's 6% of their overall business, I'd still be pretty happy with that. And it would definitely contribute to the bottom line, at least this back of the Mac napkin math, but probably 50 basis points in gross margin, maybe a little bit less, um, which I mean, it all helps, right? A hundred percent, a hundred basis points of cost saving plus 50 basis point improvement in gross margins that that's a. I mean, that's a big swing in the viability of this business um, and certainly cash burn. And we've seen a lot of movement on the, on, on open door exclusives in, in the last few, few weeks. Obviously we saw third party, uh, number of third party listings increase. I think for the first time they were more third party exclusives listed than actually third party exclusives, which is the right direction. Um, uh, the other thing we saw is, uh, a lot of experimenting in, in, in filling up, uh, in, in filling up the content of the page, right? In, especially in Austin, we were at the point where they only had like eight listings on the page. Something they're experimenting with right now, which we discovered last week is that they're actually listing their own first party homes on the MLS, also on exclusives, so that a buyer can buy the same homes that open door lists on the MLS directly from open door for a cheaper price, basically without the buyer agent commission and with the same benefits of any other exclusive home. So 50K uh, appraisal price match and everything else that comes with it is another interesting uh, development. Uh, it's probably what we would like to see nationwide and the ability for buyers to directly buy homes from open door would be a massive cost improvement to the whole business. Uh, we'll, we'll need to see how, how that develops in the next few months and what they're, the product that, that they're trying to fill, uh, the void of not having the exclusive available nationwide is a list with certainty. It's a semi-new product from Open Door. You, you, they offered list with Open Door um, for, for some time in the last few years, where basically they connected you with it with an agent if you really wanted to list your home on MLS instead of taking a cash offer. And it was kind of one of the options that were buried somewhere. Uh, what they did experiment with, meant with in, in the in the last few months which they mentioned on their earnings calls, like they're, they explicitly promote list with certainty as an additional product to getting your cash offer to sellers where spreads in markets where spreads are really high. So if you're coming to open door to get an offer, they're using for the first time, they're aggressively using this funnel of, uh, seller leads to actually get them to agents 
um, which is something that was that would have been obvious for a long time. It's something they could have tapped into for a long time, but they only decided now to. Um, what do you think about that, Tyler? I so like, like I said, I thought this was the best part of the earnings call. And granted, I think a lot of the earnings call left me scratching my head and, and a little bit frustrated. Um, but this, I thought, was sort of the the exciting point of the earnings call. Um, basically, what Opendoor is saying is that when it provides an offer for a homeowner, it doesn't always convert those homeowners. It, and in fact, it's only converting about 10% right now, given that it's offering such low values for homes that it can be safe, right? And maintain positive unit economics for all the homes that it purchases. Um, and so I... I, th I think what they've realized is there's still a large percentage of people that were high intent home sellers that Opendoor wants to monetize. These are leads, right? And so as opposed to selling to the Zillows and the Redfins of the world, right? What Opendoor is doing is they're saying, okay, we understand that this price isn't right for you, um, but I think it's valuable to have this offer in your back pocket. And so what if you list with us, right? What if we connect you with other potential home buyers and other offers? Um, and we'll take a small cut of the eventual sale. And at the end of the day, if you don't find anything that you like, you can always sell to us and you have a guaranteed cash offer. And what they found is that 20 to 25%, this number is enormous, right? Like 10% right now are converting to an open to traditional open door offer. 20 to 25% are converting to this list with open door list with certainty. And what that means is that Opendoor is taking a completely profit, like a hundred percent profit cut from these home transactions. What is it, Sebastian? One, one and a half percent, one, one percent. How much is it? Yeah. So, I mean, we don't know the fee structure of the new list with certainty product, but based on the old list with Opendoor product, basically they're charging a 5% commission fee to the seller which is equal to the 5% they would pay open door to get the, the cash offer. 1% of that goes to open door. 1.5% goes to the partner agent that works with the list of home and 2.5% go to the buy agent. Yeah. Which the yeah. term depending on the market, but that's like the default buyer so, commission. So at least, at least 1% of that home sale is going to open door, right? And in that situation, Opendoor didn't have to use any of its balance sheet, didn't have to use any leveraging, didn't have to pay HOA, didn't have to pay repairs, didn't have to pay property taxes, right? And Opendoor is still getting 1% of that home. And that's really important that Opendoor has found that space. And while it's not exactly third party, right, that was, a, that was at least a 3% profit uh, on those homes, 20 to 25% of Opendoor's not insignificant funnel converting to this um, uh, list with Open Door to get one percent. I think is going to be a meaningful component of Open Door's business. Now, the question is, how did they suddenly find this product, and why did they revive it? Here's my theory for why. In 2021, growth companies, private companies, reached astronomical valuations. Right, investing was fun, and that has changed. Right, in 2022. Investing became not fun, particularly if you like technology companies. If you like boring companies, it was probably just fine for you. Um, but companies like Opendoor, particularly real estate technology companies, suffered. And the reason I bring that up is because you can't really raise 
at this point um, in prop tech. Like if you, if you didn't have the cash to survive this downturn, you're really struggling. Take a look at Riven. They recently laid off nearly 90% of their staff because it's so hard right now, right? Like home transactions are down 50% um, year over year, at least early on. Um, and home values are down as well. And so what I'm getting at is that the power buyers, right? The companies like Orchard, River, Riven, Knock, uh, they're really struggling. And so I, I think in 2021, when they were all very well monetized, well-funded, uh, aggressively aiming at growth, they could compete against the open doors in this power buyer space, which is what List with Open Door is. In 2023, these companies are weak, right? They are devitalized and anemic. And I think Open Door is recognizing that opportunity as a better funded public entity with a, with a, you know, a bigger balance sheet of uh, more opportunistic, I guess, to take advantage of this space and, you know, uh, fill this need because other companies have gone before them and kind of created this product market fit. Open Door is kind of capitalizing on that in this, uh, in this down market. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating, I wouldn't call it, it's a very creative way of, of using a seller funnel to still uh, be able to, to capture part of the transaction that might happen anyway of, of serious sellers. What's interesting is the certainty part. So the product we had to, before is just this with open door. So you, we connect you to a seller agent, then you're going to do the regular MLS listing. And you obviously you can get a, an open door offer, but that will expire in 14 days. What the certainty piece means here is that while you're listing on MLS, you can fall back to the open door offer at any time. I wonder what the conditions here are. Is it for 60 days? Is it for 90 days? Is it really forever? That would be kind of weird. Um, but basically, if you see nobody wants to buy my home, you can put it off market. You don't pay anything, and you take the 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 offer from open door. And at that point, it's a regular seller conversion with like some very high spreads, right? It's basically like the third party marketplace. Yes, it's very similar to the third party marketplace, where the marketplace is just a regular MLS, right? Uh, but it's it's using the same, it's solving the same problem for the seller. So they they know uh, the Exclusive marketplace is not ready yet to be uh, rolled up nationwide. It probably would take do a disservice to them iterating on the product if they decide to go outside of Texas and now they have to deal with the different ways home transactions work in each market while iterating on the product, messing things up, keeping it small, iterating on that when they're ready, they're going to roll up more, expect by the end of 2023. Um, but in the meantime, they figured out this this twist on the product they had before to still convert sellers, uh, which I have to give them a, a lot of credit to. It's, it's an interesting approach. And obviously it's hard to, to see other than what the open door, um, is going to record on that. It's going to be hard to capture data on this, on, on how successful it is. Uh, but it, it's quite promising. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would. I would go so far as to say this is the economics of the listing with open door model is maybe one and a half percent to open door, right? In terms of profit for exclusives currently, 
third party, it's 3% of the home sale price. I would go so far as to say that if there's significant regulatory issues or difficulty scaling the third party marketplace, list with open doors a product that no one else can, can build, um, similar to the exclusives marketplace outside of OfferPad, but they just don't have the scale for it, I think, uh, currently. Um, and it seems like they've already found product market fit if they're converting 20 to 25% of sellers, right? Like basically, basically what they're saying is it costs you an extra one and a half percent to, um, e e even that, I mean, we, we don't, we don't know, we don't know the economics of, of the transaction just yet, but basically what it's saying is you have a guaranteed offer in your back pocket. Um, but we will help facilitate your home sale. We'll, we'll take some of the, some of the burden off you. Um, and actually with all of the other, like appraisal match guarantee and all the other benefits that you get in the third party marketplace. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the, the margin, um, like the actual gross margin of the third party or sorry, the, the list with open door sales are similar to the third party marketplace. And theoretically, it can be available nationwide today. I, right. we, are, we don't know. We're, we're open market is currently rolled out. Yeah. Yes. Just um, what's interesting here, and maybe we can dive into this a little bit deeper next time, but it obviously for Open Door, it also has an impact on their potential sales price of the home. If the home was listed once and taken off the market, if the seller Decides to list with Opener and then after what? Okay, I don't get any offers. I'm just going to take the cash offer. Then Home has an MLS entry saying it was taking off the market, which usually indicates that it's not a great home. Like it, it has an impact on valuation. I guess that, that is also covered by the increased spreads at that point. Um, it's, it's, it's a really fascinating um, topic yeah, you to dive deeper into that. You'd have to model it in because the homes that do convert to an open door sale, you need a bigger spread and the homes that don't, you probably wouldn't. Right. So it's, yeah. it's, uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting data problem for smarter people than me. I guess we need to do another episode. We talked about this last time on, uh, all of open doors, power buying capabilities, yeah. both on the, on the buy with open door side and enlist with certainty now sure. it's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, all right. Uh, we are already 40 minutes in, so let, let's cover one last topic. And we, we, I feel like we're going to have to do another episode on, on all the things that came up in those earnings because it, it has been a lot, but, uh, there was a lot of shocking news is, uh, it was not mentioned on the earnings call, but there was an SEC filing that Daniel Murillo, chief investment officer left the comp resigned. I think it was. A resignation. Yeah. 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 I was, I was a little shocked about this. Um, I've, you know, I've read the interviews, um, and spoken briefly with the guy who was Daniel Morello before Daniel Morello, um, and a lot of ex open door employees who all really respect him and sort of his contribution to the company. I've also met Daniel Morello one time. Um, and we, we, we chatted briefly about Zillow's demise and um, how Opendoor responded in Q3 of 2021. I think it's a shock. Um, he's he's obviously been an integral part of 
of Open Doors Performance as a public company, and he's run the entire pricing team uh, since since they went public. And so, seeing him leave, uh, you know, plus the reshuffling lately, Andrew Loki, Carrie moving to CEO, Eric moving to president of Marketplace. There's there's been a lot of changes from from the company, you know, C-suite that went public uh, a few years ago. Yeah, I guess we will need to monitor uh, Daniel's LinkedIn profile. If like he he had plans for something else that where he thought this time might be more well spent at an open door, if there was a, a more of a disagreement at the top and he left and just gonna go on vacation for for a year, uh, that will be interesting to look at. We will never hear the full story here, probably. Well, unless, unless Daniel comes on the show and, and tells us, I, I, I can tell you this, he can make a lot more money uh, working pretty much anywhere that he's qualified for outside of open door, right? Like, uh, definitely took a pay cut coming from C Citadel to open door. Yep. All right. Uh, I think that was, that was a good, uh, summary of the most surprising things we heard uh, last week. We are um, we're still planning to do a Twitter Spaces. I guess we have to explain. We had a Twitter Spaces uh, uh, scheduled for Thursday, arranged for first day, the day of earnings. But before earnings, this is important. We canceled before earnings. A lot of people speculated that after we saw earnings, we just cancel it. <laughs> that is not the case. We're, we're not that shocked. Uh, yeah, Tiny actually had like an, an emergency situation at work, right? I'm not yeah, sure if we, we want to go into we, the, the we bloody share, details here, but yeah, we can share the texts uh, to confirm the timing of this event. It definitely wasn't because Open Doors results were very different than what we expected. Um, I have a different day job and it's not very flexible and something came up and I, I, I couldn't make the spaces. Yeah, so we probably schedule this uh, maybe for next week or this week. Uh, yeah, definitely, or this week. Uh, we will take any of your questions, and, and we're looking forward to talk to you. So make sure to follow us on Twitter, and um, obviously get a data door subscription to um, read all of our, of our follow up that will come in the next few few weeks and months about uh, how we think. Q1 will look like and beyond. And it's going to be an eventful next few months. Um, and uh, we'll be here to talk about it and on the way down and hopefully on the way up. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully eventually there's a way up. That I'd like to see that myself. What a somber episode. But with it. There, there are some of these, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I laugh, I laughed a few times. Um, I think, I think it's, it's, it's a tough time to be a growth stock investor, and particularly hard to be a prop tech investor, right? Um, but Open Door has a plan. Uh, they, they're a smart company, and they, they have a lot of opportunity ahead. And I think for the most part, they have a monopoly on the space. Um, or they're certainly not competing for price with a competitor, right? Um, and so I, I, 
I think I think that's important, right? When Zillow was around, it was a it was a trickier time. Offerpad's around, and certainly they're they're doing fine as well. It's just they're they're competing at a different volume than Open Door right now, and they too are trying to just survive uh, this this current dislocation. Um, and so, if either of these companies can can make it through, there's there's a huge opportunity to be a middleman in residential real estate. But in the meantime, there's a lot of there's a lot of speculation and a lot to to sort of follow in trend um, to figure out if it's going to happen. And I hope it I hope it does because I really do think that we need we need innovation in the residential real estate transaction. There never has really been innovation in this space, and that's why I think both of us get so passionate about this issue and why we've defended companies that are attempting it. Um, but but it's it's a tough time. It's a tough time to be attempting it, and so uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep we're gonna keep following it. And Alpador still seems to be in this seemingly best position to make a change, right? There, there's nobody else left, like you mentioned. So, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Talk to you uh, next time, Tyler. Yeah. Sounds good. Bye, Sebastian. <laughs>